From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. The Beethoven Festival of Utah is a series of year-round concerts in the picturesque resort and mountain town of Park City. The festival is one of Summit County's oldest arts organizations, includes a film music series, and has a concert venue for everyone. There are salon concerts in beautiful homes, performances in the community church and Temple Har Shalom, and also free concerts in the park when it's warm. At the park concerts, you get the added bonus of listening from a blanket on the grass and watching the sun set to the music. The Beethoven Festival is co-directed by musicians Leslie and Russell Harlow, both of whom are here today and will be performing, and features local, national, and international musicians. Today, the Harlows have outdone themselves. They brought us eight musicians to our studio. We won't hear everyone playing all together at once. It's going to be more like musical chairs. Every time the music stops, uh, we'll be shuffling around. Everyone here has a connection with UVU, which is Utah Valley University. We're going to start right away with music. We'll be listening to Piano Trio Number no. 2 in E minor, the first movement by Dmitry Shostakovich. This is performed by Blanca Bednash on the violin, cellist Chung Chow, and pianist Hilary Dembski.
We've heard the first movement of Shostakovich's Piano Trio Number no. 2, notoriously technically difficult. In fact, at the very beginning of that, the cello part all on harmonics, the cello playing actually higher than the violin, which is kind of a rare thing. Those musicians were from the Beethoven Festival of Park City. You're listening to Highway 89. Russell Harlow, thank you for being part of this and bringing us such great musicians. Well, thank you, Stephen. This is great. It's been a while since we've had you in, right. but I'm glad that today is happening. Me too. Uh, we uh, really appreciate what you do for the community and also that you involve so many different musicians. Uh, I was looking at some of the festival's past concert repertoire, and Shostakovich does pop up quite a bit. Oh, quite a bit, yes. Uh, one time, uh, one of our uh, our violinists that come that comes from uh, the Sitka Festival in Alaska, uh, I was asking him what uh, what uh, string quartets could we do. Uh, that he says, well, I'm I'm not going to be doing this, but uh, if you, it's a real easy and, and sweet little piece. It's Shostakovich String Quartet Number Seven. He said, do that, and they were the, when he finally came in weeks later. Uh, I brought him into the hall, and they were rehearsing the Shostakovich Seventh, and it was hard. Not an easy, <laughs> sweet he, little piece. He had, he had a nice laugh on that. <laughs> I also hear, because you are a clarinet player, yeah. and uh, meaning you're dear to my heart as an old former broken-down woodwind player. Me too. Uh, you have this pet. <laughs> you are a whole different level of broken down. Yeah, a whole different level. Yeah. You have this pet project that's pretty remarkable, clarinetcentral.com. And what is it you're trying to accomplish there on the web page? You know, uh, what I, uh, that's interesting. Clarinet Central to me is um, uh, trying to save all of the sounds of uh, the past, let's say. It goes from the earliest uh, clarinet recordings. We actually have a, a recording of Brahms playing the piano on that site from 1889. Wow. But it goes from the earliest days of clarinet playing, let's say it's around 1906, uh, to the present. But I, I felt for, uh, over the last 20, 25 years that the sounds are being lost. Uh, no one, young people coming up, don't really know and don't have an, uh, a way to find out how these older players played, the ones in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, and it's a different style. So I wanted to put that in one place so that uh, with information and sounds and pictures and movies so that uh, people could go to it to, as a refresher to see, oh, that's beautiful, maybe I'd like to try that. Too. Just to hear what's possible. Just to hear what's possible, what's happened, what's possible, and what's going on now. We're going to hear some work by Handel now. This was originally for an oboe player, but right. were you just thinking, I want to play this, so forget the oboe? That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Forget those guys. You know, you don't hear this much. Uh, last winter, we did uh, this concerto in Park City, plus the Mozart oboe quartet that I played which is real ch a real challenge because the oboe quartet is very, very high. Uh, but uh, Baroque music, uh, there's not much written for clarinet at all. Handel wrote a piece for two clarinets and horn. Um, I forget what the name, I think it's just a suite. And, uh, but the clarinet was very primitive and that particular piece for two clarinets and horn was written for basically a band, not just two instruments, but a first, a second, and a bunch of horns and a bunch of clarinets. So, um, uh, the clarinet was built, uh, was invented in 1690, thereabout, and um, so it was still primitive. Uh, so why not 
put the uh, clarinet in the place of the oboe, especially if the clarinetist wants to play it. And and I this, <laughs> and it's the head of the festival. That's right. And is the head of the festival. That's absolutely <laughs> true. And the thing is, is that uh, there's a wonderful recording of this. Uh, back in 1951 by uh, the Philadelphia Orchestra and Marcel Tabuteau. If anybody wants to go to YouTube and listen to that, or they can go to the Clarinet Central, it's on there. Uh, they can find out what it was, uh, this, what this beautiful piece is like and how vocal it was. And that's what I wanted to do, was to use it as a study to, uh, to learn to play more vocally. Well, we'll let you take your place. We're well, going to hear you. the... Uh... First, if you want to take off your oboe concerto number three, we'll be hearing the first two movements here adapted for clarinet instead of oboe. Russell Harlow, who we just spoke with, clarinetist, Cynthia Richards, and Yeji Kim Broadwell on violin. Also, Leslie Harlow on viola and Chung Chow on cello for oboe concerto number three.
We've just heard the first two movements of the Oboe Concerto Number no. Three. That's by George Friedrich Handel. And our guest today, a, a combination of musicians, all with connections at UVU, Utah Valley University. They're all part of the Beethoven Festival of Park City. We're glad to have them with us today. Chung Chow is our cellist today, also director of orchestral studies at Utah Valley University in Provo, Utah, and music director of the Utah Valley Youth Symphony. Chung Chow, thank you very much for coming and Thank you for having us. Good afternoon. Well, I mentioned your local endeavors, but you have also an international gig. I guess we'd say you you founded Sinfonieta Polonia in Poland 10 years ago and are the music director. How often do you travel back and forth? We travel about uh, three to four times in a year, um, usually during holiday times at the university. Um, The orchestra was founded together with my wife, Blanca, who's next to me 10 years ago. And um, the the idea was that we were trying to provide more opportunities for young professionals, uh, for orchestral playing, and also to provide variety in programming for the community. And I understand that the group has toured in Germany, in China, and in France as well. That's right. We've toured twice to China and Germany and France, and we performed at the Beijing Concert Hall, uh, at the Ra- Berlin Radio Symphony Hall in Hanover, and um, and also collaborated with many ensembles. You want to maybe? It's been a wonderful journey. In fact, we will be ce- celebrating 10-year anniversary this year, and we are very happy that uh, over these 10 years, we've also uh, been a hub for American students uh, from time to time now that our alumni have, have graduated and are no longer students as they were at the beginning and are now professionals. Uh, we, have, we have been bringing students from uh, UVU w- with us last year and also other institutions in the U.S., and we're happy also that our alumni have gone on to perform with ensembles such as Berlin. Berlin Symphony, um, Netherlands National Orchestra, and Philharmonic, Philharmonic. Opera Orchestras in Poland as well. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. Uh, Blanka Bednash is one of our violinists today. As was mentioned, she's married to Chang Chao and is the concertmaster of Sinfonietta Polonia. Before you began the orchestra, what was there in the town as far as an orchestra? Uh, there is a philharmonic orchestra, mm-hmm. uh, state state um, run and state overseen, as well as opera. And we have filled a very different kind of niche. Uh, we uh, brought um, for the first time, if not to Poland, certainly to the area, uh, Chinese music. Um, we've brought uh, performances of Das Lied von der Erde of Mahler's with Chinese text. Um, that was definitely a Polish premiere. Um, we've brought various music to Poland that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Um, And we also serve a greater Poland area. So every year, our New Year concerts uh, are performed for about 5,000 people in the city of Poznań, but also in the surrounding towns that don't have their own orchestra. Well, I had heard that you had been setting attendance records with this orchestra. (laughs) That must be very satisfying. (laughs) It's been wonderful. Also because of the program, the kind of program that we bring, New Year concerts and very interesting artists from uh, England, from U.S., from different places. So I guess we're feeling like a, d- a different kind of needs for the community. So, and we've been very fortunate in that case. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful what you're doing there. We're glad you're doing this here for us today. So we'll let you take your places. We'll hear more music here. In fact, we are going to finish off the work by Handel. We heard of the the first and second movements of Oboe Concerto Number no. Two, or, or Number no. Three, and now we will hear the final two mo- movements. Uh, number three and number four.
We've just heard the third and fourth movements of the Oboe Concerto Number no. 3, adapted for clarinet instead of oboe by uh, George Friedrich Handel. Musicians are from the Beethoven Festival of Park City, performing the first two movements uh, previously in a previous section. Leslie Harlow is a violist. She's also co-director of the Beethoven Festival. Leslie, thank you for coming. Oh, my pleasure. Thank An you. An ongoing year-round festival. Whose idea was that? Somebody who had nothing to do? Uh, no, no. Sometimes uh, when you want a lot done, you give the work to busy people. But actually, it's just that we love playing chamber music so much, and we feel like the opportunity to hear live uh, classical music and live chamber music is is more rare than it should be. So uh, that that's part of the reason. Another reason is that uh, musicians are available year-round, not just in the summers. And so whenever we have an opportunity to include our wonderful players, then we just set up another festival. So it's kind of worked Does out. Does it feel different to you, depending on the season, especially up in the mountains, the seasons are so different? Um, yes. I mean, in the performance, it doesn't make a huge difference, but actually the logistics are a nightmare sometimes. I mean, if you were to do the Four Seasons, for instance, would you oh, have yes. to pay attention to when, it, what time of year it was? Actually, you're right. We, we do play the seasons for as one example. But when we're choosing the programming, it's more uh, from the audience standpoint of uh, presenting a concert that appeals to people who already are fans of chamber music and classical music, but also people who have never been to a live performance before. Because um, I have to say that sometimes people think of chamber music as quiet or background music because that's their exposure. But in our particular case, as you've already heard this morning, uh, there's a huge range in the the um, character of the music. So we like to plan our programs with a lot of variety. So we'll have um, different combinations and different styles on every concert. So really the um, season, as you asked, is not a big factor. 
Well, we've gone from Baroque to 20th century, and speaking of variety, mm-hmm. we're going to hear from a little-known composer who actually died in mm-hmm. a concentration camp, yes. 1942. This is Erwin uh, Schulhoff. Tell me mm-hmm. about him and what you're going to play. Well, um, I'd like to give the credit to Donna Fairbanks, violinist, for choosing this work because um, she has a knack for finding beautiful works. Um, she's in, in charge of um, chamber music and the music department at UVU, and I have never heard such variety. I mean, she's always choosing great things for the students, and then she comes up with beautiful works. And I'm so um, thrilled to be introduced to Scholhoff's music. And I did a little bit of research on him, to, uh, but really the music itself tells a lot about him. Um, he was a child prodigy, and when he was 10 years old, he went to the Prague Conservatory to study, and he studied piano and composition. Um, he knew Dvorak. Dvorak was a, a champion of Schulhoff, and also he was exposed uh, to Debussy, Berg, Webern, uh, just an amazing variety of music, of composers that we are very familiar with now. Since his life was shorter, and it was snuffed out early, you know, because he uh, died at the concentration camp, that could be one factor in why we don't know as much about him. But another factor could be was, I mean. Another factor is that he was such a renegade. Um, he was very interested in art. He was and, not worried if people were comfortable. Oh, not at all. What, no, it, it was a huge expression from his life. Hmm. He started out like a lot of composers, you know, with a pretty normal life, except starting so young. But then he went through World War One as a soldier. He was on the fr- excuse me on the front, and um, that was very difficult. I mean, how many of us have anything like that to deal with? Then uh, he came back to Prague and had what could have been somewhat comfortable a life, but he got into dance music and jazz and really enjoying composing and bringing these other elements into his music. You would think the music would be lighter at this time. This duo that we're about to hear was written during probably one of the happiest uh, sections of his life, but you can still hear the background and the uh, intensity of his expression and how he considered music to be an expression of a, of a person's life and of the society and everything else. So I think you'll enjoy this uh, duo very much. This is the duo for violin and cello. We'll hear the first and second movement by Erwin Schulhoff, performed by Donna Fairbanks, violin and Chung Chow cello. Thank you. 
Music of Erwin Schulhoff, uh, perhaps lesser known, but certainly not uh, of any diminished talent from any of the other composers we've played today. We heard two movements of his duo for violin and cello, the Andantino, followed by the Zingoresca. 
You've heard this performed live here on Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Unfortunately, that concludes this edition of Highway 89. Our guests today have been from the Beethoven Festival of Park City in collaboration with Utah Valley University. Festival co-directors Russell and Leslie Harlow, husband and wife performers Blanca Bednosh and Chung Chow, as well as Hilary Dembski, Cynthia Richards, Yeji Kim Broadwell, and Donna Fairbanks. We hope each of you will come back again. We'd love to get to hear you play and speak with you in the future. The Beethoven Festival of Park City includes the music of its namesake, as well as chamber pieces by other favorite composers, old and new. There's almost always a concert you could attend since it features concerts for every season, along with a film music series. Information about the festival is available at pcmusicfestival.com. We always welcome comments and questions about our programming. For information about this show, simply email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs>